0: Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode we're talking about your 12 and 44 Detroit Pistons. Jack Kelly of DBB returns, joining Ben and I to talk about the Marvin Bagley III trade, how to make the Jeremy Grant-Cade Cunningham-Sadiq Bey trio work, and Killian Hayes' inconsistent week off the bench. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. What's up, Ben?
1: Hey, Laz. Having a good day? About to go shovel my snow. Man, Michigan winter holding on. But uh, ready for a good conversation and and hope you guys are doing well.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. We have a a third guest on. Uh, You'll recall uh, his first appearance was not that long ago, but it's Detroit Bad Boys' own Jack Kelly. Uh, who's actually joining us from the States this time around. How are you doing, Jack?
2: I'm good. Thanks, Laz. Ben, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, joining you from uh, lovely New York, where I'm experiencing my first lot of snow. So, yeah. Nice.
0: No, no snow down here in North Carolina. and I suppose I should be uh, grateful for that. Uh, speaking of grateful, I suppose, the Pistons actually did something on trade deadline day. We should and uh, to shake up the team. We should talk about that first, probably. So they made a trade. They traded uh, Trey Lyles, Josh Jackson, and two future second round picks to the Sacramento Kings for Marvin Bagley. It is a four team deal. That's the only the only real part you guys care about. Don't worry about the other two teams involved in the deal. Um, just you know, I've already said my piece. You know, Bryce Simon put up a nice piece on Marvin Bagley the third up on Detroit Bad Boys. You should go check that piece out. But yeah, Ben, we'll start with you. What what were your thoughts about the acquisition of Marvin Bagley III? Yeah,
1: some some action at the deadline is always fun. Yeah, overall, I think this is a pretty solid trade. Um, it's kind of a second draft opportunity, right? Weaver has talked about those. Bagley, I think, has underachieved and, and maybe was misused in Sacramento. So, you know, you're sending out two guys who are pretty much finished projects for a guy with some upside, and I think I'm good with that. Um, you know, I think I'm kind of meh on Bagley so far. I mean, he hasn't had a great career offensively so far, at least if we look at things like shooting efficiency. I think, Laz, you pointed out Bryce's piece on DBB, I think that's worth a read if people haven't seen it yet. I think there's a case to be made that maybe he's just been misused and underutilized in Sacramento. So I think the hope is that in Detroit, maybe some of that athleticism can turn into him being a lob threat with our young point guards, Cade and Killian, uh, which I think is something exciting. We have not seen that, at least for Cade, right, in, in his rookie season. So bringing in some jumpy-jump guys, Laz, I know you're a fan of that. I'm a <laughs> fan of that as well in terms of Roman action. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't expect this to revolutionize the team immediately. I don't think we're going to start winning a whole bunch of games uh, right away because of, because of Bagley, but at the same time, I think – you know, this is absolutely a smart move, get some youth, get some athleticism. And honestly, the thing that I'm most excited about is not even about, you know, Bagley's development, but what this could potentially mean for Caden to a lesser extent, Killian. Um, you know, I think the only thing I will say, um, about the guys going out last, this was, I know a surprise to you. It was a surprise to me throughout the season as well. Uh, Trey Lyles was actually really solid for the Pistons this season, um, it got frustrating watching him at times. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he really anchored the bench rotation, even out of position, uh, which I think was admirable. Uh, and uh, he led the team. This was crazy. I was looking at his numbers before the pod today. He led the team in free throw rate, which was just crazy to me um, when you think about the, the lineup that we have. So I just wanted to give some kudos to Trey Lyles. I think his time in Detroit was brief, and he he's probably fine with it being brief. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was solid for us. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think this is a, a solid move. Um, I don't think it changes anything dra- dramatically. But uh, I am looking forward to some, to some of the things that Bagley brings to the table that we haven't seen on the roster for a while.
0: No, absolutely. Jack, I, I know you were a uh, big Trey Lyle stan. Uh, how did you feel about the uh, the move to acquire Marvin Bagley III?
2: Yeah, so, of course, when I got the uh, notification, on Twitter. The first two things that came to mind were it's going to be sad to see my guy go and trade. Um, He'd become a favorite for me. (laughs) You are the only (laughs)
1: man on the planet. I think like you have to live on another (laughs) continent to think that. I
2: think. (laughs) Well, I am a (laughs) Pistons fan from Australia. There's not many of us. So (laughs) I think you're onto something there, Ben, but, um, and then my second thought was jumpy jump. So I thought Laz, you were the, the first person I thought of, to be honest. So, um, but on a serious note, um, with Bagley, um, there's two things he does well, and that's rebound and he can score on the inside. Um, I don't want to – like Ben sort of touched on it with um, his pick-and-roll sort of lob threat potential, which, um, which should help Cade and Killian, of course, um, because I, I tweeted out a stat, but both Kelly and um, Stu are in the bottom 20th percentile of the league for pick-and-roll man plays. So, yeah, so – and in saying that, Bagley, he, he ranks in around the, the 50th percentile. So he's not amazing, but, you know, anything's an improvement on Kelly and Stu. Um, but I think the, the what I'm looking forward to with Bagley is just someone that can score on the interior. I mean, I looked up some numbers. I've actually got a piece dropping probably tomorrow. But um, the Detroit are the worst two-point percentage team in the league in terms of finishing. So um, – a lot's been made about our three-point shooting, but we're actually even worse league-wide from inside the arc. So I think just having Bagley as someone who can score on the interior um, and a lot of his points come from offensive rebounds and tip-ins. So, um, look, I think Ben touched it, touched on it at the end there, but um, it, you know, it's not going to change the future of the franchise or anything, but I think it'll be nice to bring in someone who's 6'11", and can help provide some vertical spacing for our guards.
0: Yeah, I, I think the the one thing that you guys like haven't brought up yet is the, uh, is the the possibility of like his his future with the franchise. It's like, yeah, I don't I don't think he's going to revolutionize the franchise, as Ben put it. But we did get kind of the report uh, immediately following the trade from James, James Edwards III of the Athletic. At the Pistons, like were interested in some sort of extension for him and, and retaining him uh, for the future, and like similar to what I think the team did with Hamadou Diallo uh, last trade deadline or last uh, trade season, um, and I think this is like this is a continues to be like a smart play that Troy Weaver comes back to is to uh, try these like athletic reclamation projects on uh, on that haven't found success on their uh, originally drafted teams um and by by nature of them not finding success uh on their other teams and not necessarily being amazingly successful in Detroit you're able to retain them for like a relatively low price um and and kind of keep the the coffers of the the franchise full with like low cost talent i think that's going to be an important part of uh this upcoming offseason is to retain Bagley at a at a very low number but yeah i'm curious to see what he brings uh on the floor i think um he definitely won't start i think you'll see him basically like paired exclusively with kelly Olynyk, you know provided kelly Olynyk is, is healthy enough to play um because the as as a spacing five kelly offers you know the best mix of what bagley needs to play next to on offense and defense you know i don't think he would be a good fit next to stewart dwayne casey talked about uh potential you know stewart bagley uh front court in uh his uh media availability today like i i'd, I'd don't know how much I we see that I don't know how don't know how much I want to see that uh but I am excited to see the uh the element of like the vertical uh athleticism that you guys talked about uh finally incorporated into the Pistons. I thought it was interesting that Troy Weaver kind of admitted uh during his press availability he was like, "Yeah, I kind of kind of didn't we didn't have that element on the team. That's on me. I forgot to add a lot of threat. Like, sorry guys. Like we got one now." So, thanks everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm uh, curious to see how that plays out for sure. Uh, the other big news of the trade deadline, of course, is that Jeremy Grant is still a Piston. Uh, he. We heard a lot of trade rumors about Jeremy. Uh, the rumors kind of, kind of died down in the week leading up, but then you never know with with how the trade deadline goes. And so, uh, Jack, you know, Jeremy Grant is still a Piston. He's going to be a Piston for at least 27 more games. Uh, can you handle that? Is, that? is that something that you're okay with? Or did you think that the team needed to, to move on from Jeremy?
2: Um, I, I personally would have liked to see him dealt. But, I mean, I have still full faith in Troy Weaver and his team that there just wasn't a deal there. Um, as you mentioned, it did seem to get really quiet a week out from the deadline in terms of uh, trade rumors for Jeremy. Um, in terms of the rest of the season – uh, he's really struggled since coming back into the lineup. But I guess one thing to note is um, Sadiq has led the team in field goal attempts upon Jeremy's return. Um, Jeremy's actually averaging a couple less since returning, I think in seven games or so. So, look, while I mean, Sadiq seems to play better with Jeremy off the floor, at least they're still getting Sadiq's shots, um, whether he makes them night to night. That's Sadiq's hit and miss at the moment, but um, yeah look I can tolerate Grant and I mean if it means a better deal over the summer then what's 27 games in a season where we've won 12 I mean yeah <laughs> I mean I've been supporting the Pistons for nearly a decade and not seen a playoff win so I can do another 27 games
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a that's a great way of putting it I think' It's like well you know what's 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 another you know third of a season basically? Uh, ben, what did you uh, you you had kind of in our last podcast? You had kind of resigned yourself to the thought that uh, Jeremy would still be uh, on this team after the trade deadline. Did it feel good to be
2: right?
1: <laughs> well, you know, man, if there's anything I've learned about being a Pistons fan, is that it's better to be happy and wrong, right? <laughs> like than uh, than the alternative. So no, you know, I mean, I don't care about my opinion being right. I just I had a hunch, right? I mean the, the the deals that we wanted, you know, Patrick Williams as as one example, uh, there were some rumblings about um, Robinson out of the Knicks, et cetera. I, I just don't think the right deal was on the table, right? Um, for all the talk about Jeremy Grant being a coveted asset, and I think all of that is true, um, the, the right trade partner with the right mix of assets and timing just wasn't there. Um, we fantasize about some of those other options, but they just didn't come to fruition, and Look, I don't love the way things have gone with Jeremy Grant this season, but I don't I don't see any point in rushing into a trade that doesn't make sense. Um, I think the only thing that's of concern to me at all moving forward is I hope we don't stumble into a bad extension for Jeremy Grant, but that's still a long ways away. So, um, look, I, th- I think some of the, the challenges we've seen, Sadiq and Jeremy that we'll talk about in a minute, they have not played well together. It's hard to say if that's just, you know, randomness of this really weird season or if there's something there, right? I mean, I, I don't know for sure. I, my eyes tell me there's just something that doesn't fit right. But uh, look, Jeremy's still an asset to the team on the floor, I think. He's still obviously an asset as a trade over the long term, and it makes way more sense uh, to be patient than it does to rush into something that isn't the perfect fit right now. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. It is it is what I sort of expected and uh, yeah, it's okay.
0: I think. Yeah the the only thing that makes me a little nervous is not necessarily the thought of an extension. It's like that uh, that seems a bit uh, like rash, and I don't I don't know if the I don't know if the like the maximum extension that he's rumored to be seeking is something the Pistons are interested in. I'm sure they'd probably like love to keep him at like a slightly lower number than that, but. Um, the thing that I'm really, uh, looking forward is, uh, seeing if, uh, you know, Ben, we talked, you talked about, you know, no team really had the, the assets that the team was looking for in order to trade Jeremy Grant is like, well, is there going to, is there going, is there anything about that going to change in between now and like the off season? Right. Mm -hmm. Is, uh, is someone going to find like a spate of lottery luck? find themselves some extra draft picks and uh, all of a sudden like that's the team that's interested in jeremy grant or are we going to see uh, a team you know make a surprise run in the playoffs and all of a sudden envision themselves as like only a jeremy grant away from a championship right uh and so you know just looking ahead it's it's like if they couldn't find any trade partners for jeremy this deadline it's uh it's tough to think about like what what teams that couldn't trade for Jeremy now are going to enter the mix uh this offseason so it's like that 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 remains to be seen I'm a little curious to see how that plays out but yeah it's not you know Jeremy's still good um the the mix of Jeremy, Sadiq, and Cade uh has been like just tough to watch and I think that you know for a lot of reasons right like um actually no let's let's talk about that now so I was. I've been wondering about whether or not we can see Cade Sadiq and Jeremy play together because right now those are the three uh, best players on the Pistons. But right now, with Jeremy and without Cade, the Pistons are winless. With Cade and without Jeremy, uh, yeah, you know, with Cade and without Jeremy, they're seven and thirteen, which is like seven is again, you know, a big number in wins when you're t- <laughs> talking about a twelve win team, and. Uh, with Cade and Jeremy, they're 4-18, and 18, right? You, you look at the numbers, uh, Cade's numbers are better when Jeremy Grant isn't playing. Sadiq's numbers are better when Jeremy Grant isn't playing. Um, and uh, obviously, the younger guys in Cade and Sadiq are more important to the future of the franchise uh, than Jeremy Grant. And so, it's I guess it's tough to it's tough to see like where this is like, it's tough to wonder about that trio, right? Like, can they learn to play together? Ben Uh, is, is the, is what we're seeing statistically. Is that just born of the fact that, you know, Cade didn't even play to start the season and Sadiq really struggled to start the season. And then as soon as, uh, as soon as Cade came back, you know, Jeremy basically got hurt. And then that elevated Sadiq into a new role, into a new position you know, like now Jeremy's finally back, and so they've they've played you know you know almost fifty games without like a, a chance to really get a that rhythm as a trio. Um, and so they can do you think they can find that rhythm in the last twenty seven games, Ben?
1: Yeah, I feel compelled to point out what others pointed out to me on Twitter this week, which is small sample sizes are are a thing we have to pay attention to. So very true. We don't want to talk about just the numbers, but I think all of the All of the complicating factors, lads, are so difficult this season, right? It makes it hard to evaluate Cade's rookie season as a whole. When he's injured, then he gets COVID, then he gets injured again, right? Like, what does all that mean just for his season? And, okay, you talked about Sadiq and Jeremy and all that in and out of the lineup, all of those sorts of things. Um, I will say the one one complicating factor, I'll just say one of them. Um, To me, it's the most significant. It's very clear to me that Jeremy Grant, is a dynamic scoring threat right it's unquestionable he's athletic he's tough to guard all of those things however it seems to me like he's best at that when he doesn't have the ball in his hands for for a big chunk of the possession so you know his worst instincts are stop the ball isolate and take a shot, right? He's not particularly good at facilitating for others. So if he's going to the rim, he's probably going to get fouled, or he's probably going to shoot. If he catches it on the perimeter, if he doesn't move the ball right away, it's probably going to turn into a some sort of a jumper or whatever. So for me, in order for this to work, Jeremy has to get it out of his head that being the number one or even a primary offensive option means the same thing as having the ball in your hands and making lots of decisions. I think it's crystal clear to me that Cade Cunningham has all of the right instincts to be a point, point whatever, point forward, point guard, whatever, like whatever position it is. He needs to be the guy initiating the offense, the guy in terms of running the show. And if Jeremy Grant can come to terms with that, and realize that it matches up with his skill set in sort of a perfect way, right? Like Jeremy moving without the basketball, catching it in motion, taking two to three dribbles, and and shooting is like the best case scenario for his offense that actually dovetails really nicely with, with the things Kate is good at, potentially the things Sadiq is good at. So that to me is the thing. Like, if Jeremy's willing to buy into that, maybe it doesn't happen over the next 20-plus games. Maybe it takes an off season of working together and learning each other's strengths and some strategic coaching by Casey at all. You know, I, I think the offense can work. Like it is possible. Um, I just think that this season, it's been like the perfect storms of thing to prevent it from happening, right? And so what we've seen is this awkwardness and hesitation and who's going to take the shot and all of that kind of stuff that we, we don't like to see. So yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm skeptical. It happens in the next 27 games, Laz and Jack, but um, I'm not going to write it off as impossible. I I think there's a a long summer ahead and a lot of work that can be done to make it work, even if it's only for a season, right? Even if Jeremy ends up landing somewhere else, I, I, I don't see why it's impossible. Let's put it that way.
0: No, that's, that's totally fair. Uh, Jack, what did, what do you think of, uh, that trio and, and ways to make that trio work in the short term, at least
2: in terms of making it work? Cause uh, to be honest, I'm pretty down on that trio, to be honest, from what we've seen. Um, I think going forward, um, it depends. Like for me, it, I think it's clear Sadiq's clearly paid better with Jeremy out of the lineup, and I think with, with Jeremy back in the lineup, it creates a bit of role confusion. Who's taking shots here? Like, there's just it seems a bit more of confusion than when it's just Cade um, flanked by Sadiq. Um, but in terms of making it work, I think as Ben sort of touched on, it, it's going to depend on if how it, like Jeremy's buy-in and. And as I mentioned earlier, he has ta- there has been a reduction in shots marginally, like two or three a game. Um, I think Jeremy, if he could just cut back on the, the dribble pull ups, just settle for some open threes rather than dribbling in taking a couple, um, taking a couple of dribbles before shooting. I think it's just more about trying to fit in for Jeremy rather than trying to be the guy, um, but. In terms of making it work, I sort of have a hard time seeing it, um, not to be too negative. But, yeah, I think it just comes in, down to Jeremy's buy-in. Um, and we've seen some progress, I guess, even though his numbers are down. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, the I think a thing that would make this easier is if Jeremy were uh, more inclined to be a better playmaker if you were more inclined to, you know, if he's going to isolate, um, if he's more inclined to like pass out of that instead of, uh, instead of shooting, we like, we've seen Sadiq improve as a playmaker, I think over the course of this season, um, he's made some really nice, like drop offs to Stewart. Um, he's made some really nice, uh, like passes to the wing occasionally after drives. And like, that's been really impressive to me. We still don't see that as often as I would like to from Jeremy. Um, and it but i do think he's made more of an effort to do that over the last couple of games i know uh in against the against the hornets in particular i mean not that the hornets were you know playing um the you know the tightest defense i've ever seen in my life but there were uh, a a couple of different scenarios in which like jeremy got the ball on the move and kept the ball moving um in a way that i was like oh okay like that that's good to see i i need to see a more of that, and then of course, um, in the third quarter, he actually finally you know got some shots to fall, and it felt like he um, could like integrate himself like more fully into the offense after like deciding to to make some plays for others. But yeah, it's it's going to be tricky to get all those three guys to play in a rhythm with one another if they aren't playing together on the floor. Like we still got Cade's injury, we've still got. Um, you know, Jeremy getting his legs uh, back from conditioning from his COVID thing as well. And so I, there needs to be like those guys need to figure it out on the court. Um, and we just it's just going to have to be like that's that's what the rest of the season is going to be. I, you know, I hope it works out because, uh, again, like we're not sure if Jeremy's going to be uh, moved this offseason. Like that's something uh, I expect, but it's something we don't know for sure. It's like, well, and if the alternative is like they never figure it out, well, like then it becomes a problem. Right. And then it becomes like you do have to move Jeremy and you have you do have to take uh, less in terms of like assets than what you were looking for. And that's not uh, something I think the front office is looking forward to. And so, yeah, like, well, those guys will either figure it out or they won't. And Jeremy will be moved this off season. It'll be uh, it'll be easy to see. Uh, speaking of that trio, though, Cade Cade is the one who is having trouble staying in the lineup now. Currently, of course, uh, he has the hit pointer. The only game he played last week was against Charlotte. Um, he only played 22 minutes, and Dwayne Casey said he was on a minutes restriction uh, after the game. Um, he was he scored 12 points, had five rebounds, and two assists in his 22 minutes. So, you know, kind of normal production like for that uh, for that minute load. But he didn't quite look all the way back. He was laboring in spots. Um, I believe I saw it reported that he was like on the bike, you know, you know, when he wasn't on the floor. And so he's like still like working to keep that hip loose. Uh, Jack, you know, with the All Star break basically right around the corner, would it be better for the Pistons to just like let Cade rest for the next couple of games?
2: For Cade? Yeah, uh, for Cade. Yeah. Yes. For me personally, I'm going to the Boston game. On, <laughs> I think it's Wednesday night, so if he's resting, I'll be absolutely shattered. <laughs> but if I take away my selfish views, I think yeah, if he's labouring up and down the court and it's something that's bothering bothering him, then sure, I guess rest him. Um, I mean, in that game against the Hornets, he did look sort of like early rookie Cade, um, settled for a couple of threes. He actually, I think he made a couple, but um, he didn't look as aggressive um, to my eyes. Um, So, yeah, if that hit point is bothering him, I think I heard you mention on a pod, maybe with Bryce, that hit pointers they can linger. So if it's a lingering thing, then sure, rest him um, and yeah, make sure that that's he gets that right because, yeah, we need Cade healthy. There's no point risking him.
0: No, for sure, uh, Ben. What, what do you think about uh, letting Cade rest?
2: I think it
1: depends a lot on the nature of the injury. Um, hip pointers typically are just—it's just, it's just a, a bruise on your hip, right? Um, yeah. If if it's just a bruise, like there's something to be said for learning how to play through pain that's not going to cause you ongoing problems, right? Um, the flip side of it is the Pistons have n- nothing to play for between now and the outside <laughs> break. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I'm inclined to either keep the minutes down like they did against Charlotte. Um, I mean, look, though, I mean, he, he labored. Um, six turnovers in, in that small amount of time and minutes, right? Like, that. that's not what we have come to expect over the last couple of months. So if he's not, if it's really not right and he's really not playing well, you're not gaining anything. Um, But I, I do think there is something to be said for, you know, learning how to deal with the the aches and pains. Like, I mean, they can't treat Cade with kid gloves for the rest of his career if he's going to be the guy. Right. So whether that needs to be something he learns during a meaningless rookie season is certainly something that, uh, i'm I'm not gonna argue for it too strongly <laughs> um but uh yeah, I mean we all anybody who's played basketball on any level knows you get bruises, you get stuff that bothers you. it just depends is it gonna cause you long term harm or not? are the games important or not, and right now the games aren't important, so I guess what's the point
0: yeah we and i you can you can read between the lines and see that it's it's frustrating him as well, I think if he had his way like he would have played most of the games this week. And so I do think they are already kind of treating him with uh, with kid, kid gloves to his frustration. Uh, he had like a, a post game quote uh, that was like, you know, I just want to help the team like go out there and compete every night. And it's like it's like that is you can you can hear like him like gritting his teeth and uh, like begging to play. But like uh, he won't. He's not permitted. And so I, you know, I think there's, but like with nothing to play for, and also with the knowledge that, you know, uh, another week or two, or basically like another week of, of rest off his off of his feet from this injury, will like mostly take care of it. From what I understand, it's like I see no reason to like really push the issue, right? Uh, especially for like you like you said, Ben, something that. Uh, you're not going to make worse by uh, through playing, right? It's just a, a question of like whether or not you can uh, you can tolerate the pain. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, but to Jack's point as well, like when when Kate is not on the floor and not playing, this team is not uh, fun to watch. And it's something we've said uh, for the last couple of weeks as as he hasn't played. But uh, yeah, it bears repeating. Not fun. Not fun to watch this Pistons team play uh, when Cade is not playing. All right, uh, so so Ben, you tweeted something earlier this week that I wanted to ask you about. You tweeted, "When is the appropriate time to criticize Troy Weaver's tenure?" And I, th- I thought this was a really interesting question, and I was curious why you asked it, and I was curious about the the responses you got and how that informed kind of your uh, your position on like what what the appropriate time was. And so you know. Why'd you ask that question like what what were you thinking when you when you said that?
1: Yeah, so it really was not a loaded question. I was very curious to see how people were feeling, and i I tried to phrase it more intentionally than I phrased most of my tweets, right? like <laughs> my my personal opinion is that it's always fair game to criticize any individual move or series of moves right as a fan like that's that's what we do, right? We're armchair quarterbacks, and we like to do that, and I think it's fair game. Um, But I was really thinking it more about body of work, right? Like, um, I think we had some interesting quotes from Troy that I think were just today, Laz, that maybe we'll get to in a minute that actually speak to some of this. Um, But yeah, I mean, I was curious how people are are, are feeling. Um, I personally, you know, where I'm at with it right now, I personally think it's premature to talk about Troy Weaver's tenure as the Pistons GM. I think season one was largely on the whole a success, right? They, they fielded a team that at times was able to compete at a pretty high level without sacrificing uh, draft positioning. I think that's where they're going to land this season as well. Although the last month or so has been less competitive than than earlier in the season, especially the last week Ugh, the point differential was brutal, but um you know, I, I think, yeah, it's just an open question. When, when's the right time to, to talk about a guy like Troy Weaver, given the task that was ahead of him? I mean, he talks about it as restoring, and I get that, but it's really just a different way of framing a, a complete rebuild, right? He gutted the roster, bottomed out, and is rebuilding. Um, I think a lot of us have assumed, I think the only thing for me that makes this difficult is a lot of us assumed, and I think rightly, like last season was about bottoming out, I'm not sure what Troy Weaver envisioned for this season. I'd, I'd really love to know um, because it's ultimately going to be the same thing or worse than a season ago. Um, so I would be curious to know what, what Troy's vac- expectations were for the season, unfiltered and, and without worry of press leaks and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I mean I personally, I think you need to give Troy at least, at least through the next draft, right? Um, he did well. In his first two drafts, I think you need to give him another draft, potentially another year of that. So maybe three seasons before it's time to start being, you know, critical or not of his tenure. Um, But in terms of timing, I mean, it was right after the trade deadline that was relatively uneventful. Um, So, yeah, it was just, you know, getting the pulse of the fan base and and seeing what people were, were interested in saying about that. But, yeah, that's where my thinking is at it right now as well.
0: So, so Jack, what are where are you, are uh, on that on that timeline, right? Like, when do you think it's appropriate for us to start really critiquing, critiquing excuse me, critiquing, uh, Troy Weaver's tenure as general manager of the Detroit Pistons?
2: Yeah, so I think I'm um, similar line of thinking as Ben, but I think another off season, definitely. Um, I think after three full seasons, um, but in saying that, I definitely think. Um, over this summer period, I personally would like to see a roster that's not as flawed as it was from the beginning. Um, obviously, we've just spoken about the addition of Bagley, but you know it was clear from day one this roster was devoid of any sort of height and athleticism um, from the bigs position. So I think I'd like to just see a more well-rounded roster um, and then just a bit more competitiveness next season. But I still definitely think this offseason, ideally, we get a top three pick, um, and just put together yeah, more well-rounded roster, and then ideally, probably another high draft the following offseason. Then that's for me when it really starts. The clock starts ticking for Troy Weaver, um, assistant general manager.
0: Yeah, I Ben mentioned the quotes, and I, I want to get to the quotes because I in. In asking in answering some of these questions about, uh, you know, the, the timeline of the restoration, I think Troy Weaver kind of gave us, uh, an insight into when he's going to start grading himself on that curve. And so we're, we're just, we're just going to get to the quotes. So, um, after the Bagley trade was, I believe made official like Bagley's with the team right now, he did, he did his press stuff. Uh, Troy Weaver spoke to the media, um, And when asked about, you know, the timeline of the restoration, he said, quote, I don't really have a marker of where we are or when it will be done. We're just trying to stay in the process and get this thing right. We don't expect it to be five years, but we have to get the right people, get the right talent and get that talent to be cohesive. We're still in the process of acquiring talent. We expect next year to have enough talent. After that, we need to get the talent cohesive. And so, Jack, it sounds kind of like it's like okay, it's like this year, uh, we're still in talent acquisition mode. We are still trying to get a high draft pick. We are, uh, we are still one of the worst teams in the in the NBA, uh, a little bit by design, a little bit you know worse than we'd like, but still kind of by design. Uh, but next off season, we expect to have all the talent. Uh, we're going to we're next year, excuse me. We're gonna we expect to have all the talent we need, and then we expect that talent to kind of grow and maintain as we go through that season. Um, and, and so like the, yeah, the, so three, you know, year, th- that year three framework that you just mentioned seems like, uh, Troy Weaver is kind of on the same page with where you guys were at.
2: Yeah. And by saying next year, it leaves a bit, it's a bit murky cause it's like, is he referring to, cause there's two off seasons. So I'm not sure, is he saying the following season as well, we're going to be acquiring talent as he puts it or yeah, but it sounds like you said a three year plan sort of thing.
0: Yeah, so I mean, and that that Ben that makes sense with some of the like cap space maneuvering we've seen from Troy Weaver, right? The decision to cut Blake Griffin and just eat eat his dead money over the course of two seasons. Um, we we see we hear like rumors and whispers of the desire to build a more competitive team next season. You know, being linked to guys like Jalen Brunson who will you know help the team play uh, play better right away. Even at the expense of uh, you know developing a guy like Killian Hayes, who's no longer in the starting lineup, we're going to talk about in a minute. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think Troy agrees with you, Ben, that uh, next year, ne- after next offseason, is the is the time where he needs to start being uh, judged on on uh, his general managing ability.
1: Yeah, and I think the, the part of that quote that I want to sort of lift up the loudest is talent X. Ex- like talent acquisition versus the cohesion of that group, right? Like I, I'm a big fan of if you're going to bottom out and rebuild, you just try to get the best talent that you can and you let those guys try to figure it out for a couple of years and you don't worry about like, you know, drafting for fit or free agency for fit. Like you just try to upgrade the talent floor, right? Like you want your floor to be higher than it was a season ago. So I'm I'm a big fan of that way of thinking. Um, you know, I I still think they're probably five years away from competing for anything meaningful at a league-wide sort of perception of it. I mean, I will be I'll be pretty shocked if they're anywhere close to contention in less than five years, like contending for even the second round. I mean, I still think they're a long way away from that, but I really appreciate the way that uh, Troy framed that. And I I agree with his line of thinking. I think it it is an important distinction. I think the things that you try to do, like you want to get a roster where the talent floor is good enough to get you to the playoffs. Then when you get to the playoffs, you're tinkering right like you're making adjustments based on fit you're you're bringing in the the types of guys that fill in these little niche holes that you have uh to compete against a certain matchup or whatever but right now that's not where they're at they just need to get the the best talent that they can in the doors and and i'm all for that
0: no absolutely speaking of just uh getting the best talent in the doors and like hoping killian hayes Killian Hayes had a very uneven week this week. Uh, He played well against Minnesota down the stretch of the game. Uh, You know, was attacking the rim. Well, got some very nice pieces as the end result, followed that up with a game again with uh, eight turnovers, followed that up with a game (laughs) where he fouled out in 13 minutes. And then he followed that up with a double double with 11 points and 12 assists. So it's just a very uneven uh, week for Killian Hayes. But Ben, uh, does it look like the experiment with him coming off the bench with him uh, having the ball in his hands a little bit more uh, with the bench lineup? Does it feel like that experiment is working?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's certainly been some, some low lows, but I think the the highest of the highs that he's had this season for the most part have come in this stretch. And like you said last, for me, it's not about him being on the bench. It's about the fact that uh, he's got the ball in his hands and that's where he's at his best offensively. So I continue to be a fan of it. There was actually, I was, Laz, I confess while you were talking, I was browsing Twitter. Someone just posted something interesting about Cade's numbers with and without Killian. Maybe we'll have to dive into that next week because they they appear that they might be quite a bit better with Killian, which surprised me. But uh, Killian looks a lot more comfortable to me doing his thing, right? Doing the the same kinds of things he's been asked to do for his entire career prior to the NBA. And uh, look, I mean, I don't know where his ultimate role is going to be in the NBA. I still don't have a sense of that. But I I do enjoy watching him a whole lot more when he's got the ball in his hands, being the point guard that he
2: is.
0: For sure. Jack, where are you with the Killian Hayes bench experiment?
2: For me, I think what I've just noticed in his – I think it's his 11 games off the bench now. is just the confidence he's playing with. I think again that Wolves game, some of the finishes he had – in that final quarter, we just haven't seen Killian put back-to-back sort of possessions like that within a quarter throughout his career. Like, I can't recall a game. So, um, yeah, there was a couple of bad games midweek. But I think overall, I've got some numbers here, he's averaging seven points, three rebounds, and just a tad under six assists since coming off the bench. And the one thing for me, um, I think when we spoke last time, Laz, I might have mentioned... Um, just Killian attacking the rim. And we've really seen since he's come off the bench, just him putting emphasis on that. And he's up to uh, 56% shooting inside the arc. He's still struggling from three, but um, yeah, his two-point field goal percentage is up to 56% um, from 43%. So I've just really enjoyed seeing him attack the rim. And then obviously we get to see him as the point guard and his passing ability. So um, I think... Yeah, it's hard to say it hasn't been a success based on the killing we've seen as a starter in both his uh two seasons.
0: Yeah, I the the one thing I want to add on top of this is that um you you see uh when he's not necessarily when he's not playing with the rest of the starters, the the aggression is one thing, but uh to have that aggression be rewarded uh consistently to have like positive reinforcement is I think like something that's been really beneficial for him. Um, to you, t- you talked about having more confidence, Jack. I think ha- you know playing well builds more confidence, right? Like it, it builds upon itself, and so to have um, to be able to have success in that role, um, you know, gives you a framework, uh, gives you something to build on uh, as you go. Um, like to that end, right? Like in in thirty three games as a starter. Killian had zero games where he made five or more field goals. You know, already in eleven games off the bench, he's already had three such games. Uh, you know, I, I just mentioned the the double double he had against Charlotte. I believe that was a career high twelve assists for him in that game. Again, Charlotte not playing the tightest defense I've ever seen in my life, but uh, he still did a, a good job distrib- uh, distributing the ball in in transition, uh, getting guys into places in in the correct spots and the half court as well. And so, you know, he is still not shooting the ball. Well, I think he's shooting 19% from three right now. And so like, that is something that obviously, you know, hasn't come as a starter or as a bench player and is an element of his game that, that needs to grow. But, um, you know, being able to still produce and have, you know, good tape to build on, I think is something that's, uh, pretty important for him. And in that, you know, in, In having that, at least, I I do think this bench experiment has been more successful than I thought it would be when uh, when it was first announced, and so I'm pretty pleased about that. Uh, The last thing, last guy I really wanted to talk about this week was Hamid Diallo. Um, Hami is like obviously with Jeremy Grant's return to the lineup, uh, Hami's been moved to the bench. um, You know, with Cade Cunningham being out of the lineup. Hami returned to the starting lineup. And so his role role's kind of been, he's kind of been, uh, his role's kind of changed and, and been pretty variable. He's been the kind of the swing starter for the Pistons. But he's always out there making plays. He's always out there um, giving a lot of effort. He's always out there like causing a lot of chaos. Uh, in the month of February, he's averaging 15 points a game and seven rebounds, which uh, wasn't like, I did not expect that Hami was averaging 15 points a game, but like, but he, he kind of is. Um, with, but like at the same time like we talked about his role as kind of the swing starter like he also he's kind of playing that big man role that big wing role they just added you know Marvin Bagley to you know be a guy who gets the ball more consistently to to be another athlete to to like play in space with and so like that is another thing that like possibly changes Hamadou Diallo's role and so jack you know with Jeremy back with Marvin Bagley you know presumably going to be integrated pretty shortly Like, what do you think Hamadou Diallo's role is going to be for this team?
2: I think it still should be pretty similar to what it is at the moment. Um, It's been good to see his play probably improve almost since Jeremy came back into the lineup, or at least hasn't dipped since he had that nice stretch when we had basically the G League team in. So, um, look, I think Bagley will really just replace a lot of Trey Lyle's sort of production Um, in a sense, so, um, although Bagley doesn't provide the spacing, which could be an issue for Hummy, I still think, um, we should see his numbers stay relatively the same. And I mean, just on Hummy, is it like having an athlete like that on a Detroit team? Like I can't recall having such a fun player to watch, um, in a long time with that sort of, those sort of hops. So, um, look, it's been great to see him just keep up the really solid play and, um, yeah, I don't think we should see too much change in his play um, with the addition of Bagley.
0: Yeah, Ben, what do you what do you think uh, Bagley does? Tommy Diallo's role?
1: Well, I'm I'm hoping it means he just slides to the three in the second unit. Um, my opinion, Hami has proved that he belongs in NBA rotation this season. Um, he's he's won me over. I was a little bit skeptical about him after last season's production, but um, you know, earlier Jack mentioned how bad the Pistons are from inside the arc. Uh Hami's actually really good at that, right? About 63% of his field goals are inside of 10 feet highest on the team, I believe for any of the perimeter players. And he actually leads the team in two point field goal percentage. And I think this speaks to the fact that as Jack mentioned, he's got this level of athleticism that no one else on the roster really has. He, he plays hard. He runs in transition hard. He slashes, he attacks and he finishes, right? So I think, um, all of that says to me he's got these these bits of his talent and skill set that are unique to the roster. I think he belongs in the rotation. I'm intrigued to see, you know, a Killian, Frank, Hami, uh, Bagley, and Kelly second unit. I mean, you've got three of those five guys who at least theoretically can space a little bit. We'll see how they utilize Bagley. Um, so I think that could potentially work. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm... You know, this is why Dwayne Casey's coaching, not me, I guess. He's got to figure that out, I think. But my opinion, Hami has earned earned his minutes. You know, Josh Jackson obviously departing, Trey Lyles departing. Hopefully that means there are uh, enough minutes for Hami to still see the floor, because I think he's earned it.
0: No, absolutely. I, I don't think Hami, like, falls out of the rotation or anything, but uh, I... I... I do think it's good that whether he's a starter or whether he's coming off the bench, his role as kind of like energy guy, make stuff happen guy, Mm -hmm. like stays the same. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say, like, you know, he, even during the stretch where he's shooting or where he's scoring 15 points a night for this team, he's shooting 19% from three. And it feels like uh, lots of teams are just like seeding. Uh, These corner looks to him and he's not he's not so far been able to take advantage of them. And that is something that like, I I hope that doesn't like blunt his aggressiveness, right? Like it it hasn't so far, but you you airball enough corner threes and uh, (laughs) even even the most, uh, you know, aggressive player gets gun shy. So I, I hope, you clearly I hope haven't
1: watched the uh, Russell Westbrook highlight tape. making way through Twitter because <laughs> that dude is missing him off the top of the backboard, the side of the backboard, over the backboard. Oh my goodness!
0: That's true. I haven't watched much of the Lakers uh, so far this year, and it does not sound like I'm missing oh. much.
1: There's like a two and a half minute uh, low light reel of
2: just this season of, of Russ doing that stuff. It is absolutely crazy. Yeah, watching the Lakers is, is it's actually just been some like comic comedic relief for me. Like it's just been pretty hilarious to be honest. Like I just tune in and have a laugh every now and then and get on the God, text to my it, Lakers friends. So yeah. <laughs> I've been secretly enjoying it.
0: Oh yeah. Us us Pistons fans do enjoy a good Lakers suffering. That is <laughs> that is very delicious for us. Uh Ben. That is that your positive thing of the week? That might be the, the most positive thing that's happened uh, on this podcast. So oh
1: man, it's been a rough week. Um, I started tabulating the point differential for the week and stopped after two games because it was bad. But uh, okay, I, I had to reach for this one, uh, but I'm gonna say each of the past four games, would it surprise you to learn that the Pistons have had an individual player? with a double-double, double-digit points, double-digit rebounds. One of them, Hamadou Diallo, he had a double-double this week. And Stu had three double-doubles. He uh, seemed like he was going to be a double-double machine as a rookie and and really just hasn't realized that this season. But he did three out of four times this week. So uh, that's the best thing I could find, my friends. Um, There was a piston with a double-double each of the last four games. So, uh, yeah, that's what it is
0: i wanted to include some stuff about Stu, but we were already like running kind of long but i've i've been uh pleased with what we've seen from Stu over the last week or so um i don't love the way that he's being deployed defensively but that is not his fault um but i i've loved his energy and aggression uh and his his we've seen a little bit more of the uh desire to take some of like those 20 footers that he wasn't taking earlier in the season. That's a big step for uh for Stu. He's made a couple of them even, which is an even bigger step. So like yeah, I'm I'm on board uh with this positive trend uh Ben. Uh Jack, do you have a a single positive thing that like really stuck out to you for the Pistons this week?
2: Oh well, uh, not, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll I do, I do, I do. You, I do, say, I you, do. Can,
0: you can say not really. It, I it's had okay, dick, man. I do, I, I think. do.
2: It would be Killian's fourth quarter against the Wolves. That okay. that just those just some of those finishes he had. Like I like I said previously, I just haven't seen him do that in a quarter. Like we've maybe seen some nice finishes game to game, but definitely not all within one quarter. So I, I actually. They actually had me out of my seat a couple of times because I was just in shock. So that's my positive thing for the week.
0: Okay, I'll take I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, guys. The uh, The schedule for this week is very short. The Pistons play uh, in Washington on Monday. And then as Jack well knows, they play in Boston on Wednesday. And then it's the All-Star break, and we don't see them for basically a week. Uh, ben, are we, are we headed into the All-Star break on a... Six game losing streak with a huge negative uh point differential? Or do you think they managed to sneak one of these games?
1: Would it only be six? Man, that's better than yeah. I thought it was gonna be. Right, no, it, yeah. It's <laughs> more it's
0: more than that. <laughs> that <was really> <laughs> I don't I don't know why I said six.
2: I think we might be at seven losses at the moment. Yeah. In a row.
1: Oh Laz. Laz <laughs> and Jack. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's
2: it's been rough
1: basketball. Um Ugh, I don't feel good about it but um maybe the All-Star break is when they have the opportunity to work some of this stuff out. Let let's let's hope for that. And then we should we, we have someone to cheer for at the All-Star break, right? So uh hopefully Cade can Mid-ture? do some fun stuff and give us something to uh enjoy even if we don't have any wins this week.
0: Uh Jack, uh you know, I- I'm hoping for your sake that the Pistons are somewhat competitive in that Celtics game that you're going to.
2: Oh, that would be great. Well, look, I yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping because, look, if we lose to the Wiz, which they've been really struggling, I'm just hoping by virtue of I don't even know the basketball gods they can pull out a win against the Celtics. I think the Celtics have won like six or seven in a row, so hopefully they're due for a loss. But um, yeah, we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah, just just beat Atlanta today. I just watched the uh, the end of that game. They've been playing. Uh, much better uh, defense, much uh, much more cohesively as a, as a defensive unit. A, a loss to the Celtics is included in, in that seven-game uh, stretch for the Pistons, I yeah. think, as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been really tight this week. Well, you know, Jack, thank you for coming on and commiserating with us as the Pistons lose a bunch of games and we have to talk about it and the trade deadline and everything. Uh, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find uh, – what you've been working on, and let us know if you've got uh, anything uh, coming up this week on Detroit Bad Boys.
2: Yeah, Laz. So I, as I mentioned earlier, um, you can find me over on Twitter at Jack underscore Kelly underscore 313 or find my work over at com of SB Nation. Um, and, yeah, I'm about to drop a piece just um outlining three ways Marvin Bagley can help us from his debut so I didn't look into any of his defense because I didn't want to so it's basically just how he can help us offensively all
0: right, I'm looking forward to that piece all right Ben let the people know where they can find you uh pondering such questions as like you know when is it the right time to critique Troy Weaver <laughs> and uh, what you've been working on this week
1: so I've got uh, I've got some ideas last for some more longer form writing that uh I, I think they need to simmer for a little while. I think they're more end of season type pieces. Um I have some constructive critiques of Cade Cunningham in particular that I want to talk about. Um so maybe look for those not mid season though. Because I think I think we want to see the the entire rookie season before that. In the meantime, at Br Golker on Twitter. And uh yeah, let's uh Let's have the most fun we can for the rest of these 27 games, (laughs) I guess, right? Because it's been rough.
0: Yeah. What's the point if you're not having fun, right? (laughs) Uh, Of course, you can all follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. Thank you, everyone who listens to the podcast. We truly appreciate it. Uh, Jack, thank you again for for your time. I appreciate you being willing to take the time with us. And uh, we will talk to you all next week. Uh, See you.